I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 84 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. As always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, anything you love or hate about the show, feel free to let me know. Guys, what a treat we have in store for you today. None other than Britt Flynn at Britt underscore Flynn on Twitter, contributor at Fantasy Alarm, co-host of the Lightning Round Pod at LR Fantasy, all around super bad A analyst is here to talk breakouts. Britt, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm just extremely excited to be talking breakouts because that's one of my favorite topics to discuss in all of fantasy football. So I'm just, I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time to hop on. I am super excited to have you on. And yeah, I love when, you know, when you have so a little peek behind the curtains, you invite a guest on, you sort of have a little back and forth about what you're going to talk about, what the episode is going to be about. I gave Britt a couple of options. Um, and one of the options was breakouts for 2022. And she jumped all over that. She was like, oh, I love talking breakouts. Let's do breakouts. So that's great when that happens. Always great when you can get somebody talking about something they're passionate about. Britt is an awesome analyst. I'm a big fan and I it's so cool to see more and more awesome ladies getting involved in the fantasy industry, whether it be dynasty, best ball, redraft, DFS, all the around. Um, and I know Britt has, you know, she is an awesome lady in fantasy. She's not the first lady that's been on the pod, hopefully won't be the last. So I'm all about just, you know, encouraging and, and, and trying to promote women in the sports space in general. I just want to make sure, you know, do my part for, you know, be as inclusive and as welcoming as possible and just celebrating um, all the awesome work that is going on out there. I was going to ask you anyways about your sort of journey into the fantasy football sort of space, playing fantasy football, getting involved with content. What has that been like with your personal journey? Because I know everyone has a different journey. And obviously with you being a woman in the space, what's that journey been like? Have you? Do you feel like personally you've had to overcome a lot more obstacles or hurdles? Do you have to deal with a lot of the kind of nonsense that we see from a lot of the Mina Kimes and all these kind of ladies that have all these just terrible human beings in their DMs or terrible people just like adding them or like saying stupid sexist stuff. I mean, do you have to deal with a lot of that yourself or are you thankfully been able to avoid that or what's that sort of journey been like, if you will? I've been fortunate to avoid the majority of it. There's still a little bit of it here and there. You know, every time you post a hot take, then it's like, tell me you don't watch football without saying you don't watch football, you know, stuff like that. It's kind of hard to be taken seriously and that's kind of how it was when I first started playing fantasy football. I've always been a football fan. That was something that my dad and I did growing up. That was like our bonding thing. And um, so I've always loved football. And then when I found out about fantasy, I was like, hey, get me in this league. I want to play. I didn't know anything about it. He basically just got me in this league. And I ended up making the finals in my very first year. 
it was all dudes in the rest of the of the league. And they were texting my husband, then boyfriend um, at the time, saying that he had drafted my team because it was doing too well for it to be my team. And I just, I took offense to that and I got a huge chip on my shoulder and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to complete like, or keep completely just demolishing these dudes who think that they know everything about the game, blah, 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 blah. So I delve, I I dove into analytics and kind of got this, um, learned how to spot patterns, learned how to spot trends. That's how the breakouts kind of, um, became one of my favorite things to talk about because I, you know, new systems, new uh, coaches learn losing players in this, this situation are really things that make it important to spot breakouts. And um, once I finally got into doing content, I didn't really know that I was good enough to do content. Um, I was kind of just yelling in the void on Twitter and Ryan Hallam, you know him on Twitter at fighting chance, just kind of, came across one of my tweets and he's like, you're really funny and really passionate and da, 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 da. And he's like, do you write? And I said, yeah, I can write. And he's like, okay, we'll do this uh, matchup preview. So I previewed every fantasy relevant player for week 14 and sent him like 30,000 words. And he's like, oh, okay, you, you actually can write, you can do this. <laughs> and so, and so he got me on at fighting chance where everybody was so welcoming and helpful. And I couldn't have asked for a better group of people to get started with and just started putting out content through there. And then kind of, you know, they found me over at club fantasy and women of fantasy football. And then it's just kind of escalated and, and gone crazy. But yeah, I, I, I'm still in disbelief that I'm even doing this. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. I, um, yeah, it's funny because I was laughing there, not because, you know, I encourage their behavior, but just kind of, it's funny when you hear those stories, because you, it feels like it's like a, a script out of like a sitcom or something, you know, um, it feels like, I don't know if you ever watched the league, you know, the, the, the show about the fantasy football that was on years ago. Yeah. And at the start of that, they were like, it was, it's kind of like you had like a reverse situation from the league where um, Kevin was always like his wife, Jenny was like drafting his league for him in the background. And then she yes. was like feeding him the information. Um, and he was like pretending like she wasn't helping him and they all knew she was helping them. It's like, they were accusing you of that, like in reverse, but yeah, you were like the brains behind the operation the whole time. So that's awesome. I love that. Love yeah, that story. It's, just, and it's such an old trope. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it's so, it is, it is just funny, you know, because it is sad. It's like these old sort of, um, these old mindsets die very hard, it seems like. And it's weird, I suppose, for me, because, you know, as somebody who I just sort of, I, I don't, well, I try my best. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I try my best not to, you know, look at somebody based on their color or their gender or their whatever, you know, especially when it comes to fantasy, I just try and judge, um, based on like, the content you know so it's like hey they have really good takes or hey they're seem they seem really smart or hey i really like you know the show they do or something not like oh well i like it because they're a dude or because they're a girl or you know what i mean like it just seems so strange to me to automatically write someone off or kind of lesser your opinion of their stance or their their intelligence based on their gender or something you know it just seems very strange but it is out there a lot i see a lot of nightmarish stuff so i'm glad you're not having to deal with too much of that so fingers crossed um that 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 trend continues um but yeah i know i'm excited to i'm excited to chat breakouts i'm looking forward to that a lot right before we get into sort of 
going through our breakouts, we did have a question just come in. I, I sort of put it out last minute. So we only got one question come in, but I think it's a good question and it kind of leads us into our topic nicely. So just going to throw that up here first and then we'll get into it. First question, everyone. Question. 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 I have a lot of questions. It's a ridiculous question. How dare you? This is so important. I should run to answer it. So this question comes in off Twitter at Dynasty Island said, do you think a certain position is more conducive to out of nowhere breakouts? And if so, why? So I'm curious to hear your take on this, Britt. What are your thoughts on this question? I think it's a great question. So thanks very much for throwing that question in. Um, But what are your thoughts? Do you think a certain position is more conducive to out of nowhere breakouts? I think running back definitely just kind of lends itself to more breakouts for one, um, there are less running backs in the league. So there's less competition uh, to kind of go around. It's not like a target share where you've got, you know, the Cardinals, for example, last year ran a 10 personnel, 13% of the time where you've got four other receivers out there on the field. You know, there's just like normally one running back who gets all the work, especially on a run heavy team. And um, it's also easier to learn the position. You don't have to kind of acclimate to these routes and different systems and things like that. It's, it's more of a simplified playbook. And I don't want to say it's simplified completely because it's, you know, it's the NFL. It's not, but compared to other positions, it is. Um, And we kind of saw that last year with Javante Williams was competing with touches with Melvin Gordon and then just kind of busted onto the scene. And now he's being talked about, you know, in the, in the RB one conversation. So, but yeah, no, a hundred percent agree with you. I think, that's definitely my answer as well, running backs, because I was just, I'm actually doing a little research at the moment on some articles I'm writing for about, you know, the correlation between PFF grades and fantasy football finishes. And I'm looking through the running backs at the moment. And definitely every year, it feels like we have at least one, if not two guys that just come out of nowhere and finish almost like top 12 or maybe even top 12, you know, just in the last couple of years. You know, Cordell Patterson, you know, came out of nowhere last year, finishes a top 12 running back, you know, year, you know, last couple of years before that, we had Philip Lindsay as a UDFA jump in and, you know, come out as a top 12 back his rookie year. I mean, we had the same sort of situation with James Robinson, you know, it's definitely to me, running back would have to be that, that, that you know, position if, if you're talking about just unprecedented out of nowhere sort of breakouts. And I think that you're right in that it's basically a, it's a position where yes, skill is involved and there are more skilled and less skilled running backs. But in general, it's like, it's like, if you get enough opportunity, you'll still have good fantasy returns as a running back. Whereas sometimes, you know, wide receivers or tight ends can have a lot of opportunity and still not provide much return if they don't have the skill that we were looking for or or needing um so yeah no 100 100% agree with you that is a rock solid take see already lockstep people what did, what did i tell you it was hilarious I because know. as we're getting ready for this show i threw over a show sheet to brit and i was like here um just pick out like one or two players per position like wide receiver tight end running back that you think are going to be prime for breakouts and it was so funny because i put a couple players in already when i sent the sheet over and then I had like a couple other players in my mind that I was like, I'm probably going to put them in. And like, as I'm working on it, all of a sudden, cause I sent her the link, I see her like name little show up on it. And then she starts typing in names and I'm like, wait, hold on. I was, I was going to say that guy, wait, what, what's happening. And it was like, we literally got like into this, like, wait, no, you talk about, no, I want to talk about him. No. Okay. You talk about him. So it's uh, it's going to be a good show. I'm excited. Let's just get straight into it here. The main event. Fight. 
So there's a lot of ways you could, I suppose, talk about breakouts or quantify breakouts. Really what we're saying is we're just saying who are players that are going to be making a pretty big leap, um, maybe from like outside the top 12 into the top 12 or outside the top 24 into the top 24. So pretty significant step forward and they're going to be stud muffins they're going to be dudes that you're going to be wanting to lock into your lineup every week um and and maybe they weren't last year or maybe they were more hit or miss or maybe they didn't have great years or something like that so that's kind of how we're quantifying it it's not a specific like they have to be top 11 or something like that to be a breakout it's just the idea that they're going to take a pretty big step forward and we're pretty confident that they're going to have a really really solid return on investment this year for your dynasty squads i want to throw it to the guest first brit who do you got for us? Let's start with the wide receivers. Who's your first, who's your wide receiver you want to talk about as a breakout? So I am just enamored and in love with Cortland Sutton this year. Um, we kind of saw his talent, his second year in the league, um, where he finished wide receiver 19 and 13.9 points per game. But his other three seasons, you know, he suffered that ACL. Then he had a learning curve rookie season and then just a pretty bad season last year. But he had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. He's never really had a bona fide quarterback. And this year he does with Russell Wilson. Um, Cortland Sutton finished seventh in air yards in 2021, which was coincidentally sandwiched right between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think that that's going to translate perfectly to Russell Wilson's play style with having that deep threat in Sutton. And Wilson was number five in deep ball attempts in 2021 and had the sixth highest passer rating on balls thrown 20 yards or more. So not only does Sutton get a guy who likes to throw the ball deep, he gets a guy who's accurate when throwing the ball deep, which is just completely huge in this, you know, this AFC West. I think that there's going to be a lot of shootouts and there's going to be some very high octane stuff that we see throughout the year. And he finally, finally, I can't say this enough, has a quarterback who can get him the ball and utilize his skill set properly. So I'm all in on Cortland Sutton. I, I like it. There was some some tasty nugs there. I like the little uh, the little sandwiching between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett tying that into Russ's last team. That's pretty. That was a pretty tasty little treat there. So a couple of quick questions for you then. So I take it you are more Team Sutton than Team Judy, or is this a cost effective thing? I think well, Sutton's actually surpassed Judy in ADP and underdog drafts now. I think people are starting to lean more towards him. Um, obviously you have the Judy legal situation, but then he's not really shown that he can stay healthy. You know that Russell likes to throw it deep and Sutton is that deep threat where Judy's kind of more of the slot guy. So I think Sutton has a much higher upside than Judy this upcoming season. So, okay. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to make you be bold here. So what are you talking here? We're talking breakouts. Are we talking top 24, top 18, top 12? What are we talking? I think top 18 is probably realistic, although I really would like to see him top 12, and I think it's possible. I just don't know how this offense is really going to disperse things because, you know, you do have Javante and you do have Melvin Gordon. So that could eat into the, you know, the passing volume a little bit. But I think wide receiver 18 is definitely within the realm of possibility. I dig it. I like it. I like it um, because I think it's good to be bold and be confident in your takes. But at the same time, you have to be reasonable. There's no point in just throwing out hot takes all the time, you know, because especially I always think like if somebody listens to me, <laughs> if somebody listens to me and I'm like, you know, just because I'm joking around or because I'm being ridiculous or because I'm really excited about a player. And, and then I'm like, you know, 
um, Cordero Patterson is a top three running back, you know, and then they're like drafting him or like trading for him like he's a top three running back. I'm like, man, that you got to take some responsibility for your for your takes and your stance on things. So I, I respect the boldness, but like, you know, not being too hot takey. I like it. I'm going to talk about so I'm going to see if I can convince you about my breakout candidate, my first breakout candidate here. And it is none other than Michael Pittman Jr. Now, couple of things I want to talk about here. Um, hopefully, I will convince you and the good listeners that he is an absolute stud muffin waiting to, to break out in a big way. He finished 2021 wide receiver 21 overall and wide receiver 28-ish in points per game with 13.6. So he's a little up or down. He had some boom weeks little bit quieter weeks as well. So, I mean, he was he was a good receiver to have last year, but he wasn't like, oh my gosh, I've got to have Pittman in the lineup every single week. Um, he, he ranked 20th by PFF in 2021 at 78 grade, which was up from 62.8 as a rookie, which was actually 96th. So he went from 76, or sorry, 96th up to 20th. So it's quite a big jump just from like a PFF standard. So he finished the season on 88 receptions on 129 targets for 1,082 yards and six touchdowns. So pretty reasonable, pretty pretty respectable season, especially for a second-year player. Um, he was wide receiver 14 in targets and target share and wide receiver 19 in yards per route run. So again, those are some underlying sort of more advanced metrics that we like to look at to see, you know, was their overall finish really a fluke? Was it just buoyed by touchdowns? Were they actually contributing? Are they good receivers? Um, total route wins was third and route win rate fourth. So he's winning on his routes. He is getting open when he is supposed to get open. Now, the quarterback situation, Wentz was QB 23 on PFF grades at 70.9 last year in that system. Matt Ryan in a horrible situation with no wide receivers to help him um, and a first-year head coach was 74.5 so he was 17th so even in a horrible situation probably the worst situation ryan's been in in a while maybe ever he still was a, an upgrade over what Wince was last year matt ryan has only failed to be a top 12 pff quarterback twice in the last eight years okay so 2019 and 2021 2021 we just touched on no wide receivers first year head coach um you know and and I guess I'm, the picture I'm trying to paint here is if you think back even to Philip Rivers. So Philip Rivers came in, you know, to Indianapolis his last year, kind of like at the very end of his career there, and you know he did pretty well. And so I'm tr I'm looking at comparing all these different guys. Philip Rivers his last year there, Wince last year there, Ryan his last year in Atlanta. Seeing what can we expect? They've all thrown over 500 times in their last season. So Rivers and Wentz both threw over 500 times. Um, Matt Ryan threw over 500 times all the time in Atlanta. Even last year, we look at 268 targets to the wide receiver position in 2021 and 281 in 2020 when Phillip Rivers was there. So when Ryan had a competent receiver core in 2020, he threw 395 attempts to the wide receiver position, which was third highest. Now, again, I know there's differences of coaching um, schemes and coaching regimes, but there is an element as well of what kind of quarterback do you have? What does that quarterback like to do? I personally think Frank Reich is a smart head coach, a good head coach. I think he is going to let Matt Ryan throw the ball around. And even if he doesn't go crazy and throw it 400 times to the wide receivers, even if he's throwing it 300 times or 350 times, 
Michael Pittman Jr. had a 50% target share for wide receivers in 2020. And I don't think that changes. I don't see how that does change because realistically they drafted Alec Pierce, who I like, he's a good guy. He, you know, he's a good talent, but he's, he was, you know, he's a rookie and he's nowhere near the prospect. Michael Pittman is Michael Pittman's already shown on the field that he can be a stud. They didn't bring any other major free agent signings. They haven't brought in any other major dudes. They've got a really great run game, which actually helps the passing game. And honestly, I can't say, I mean, if he gets 50% target share, and like we just said, even if they're only throwing 300 times, which is 100% like a, a sort of floor, in my opinion, that's like 140, 150 targets. The average wide receiver 1 to 12 last year averaged 143 targets. So on volume alone, I mean, I just don't see how he doesn't have an absolutely smash year with Matt Ryan, in my opinion, an upgraded quarterback, same coaching staff, another year in the system, another year to get acclimated to the NFL, let no more competition than he had last year, really. Um, I mean, dude, this guy is a doke, for lack of a better term. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr., it should be Michael Pitbull Jr. He is a doke, and I'm talking breakout. I'm going to say... I think he could have a top 12 wide receiver finish in 2022. Is that too bold? Is that too spicy for you, Britt? Or are you with me on this? Well, I definitely think he improves over last season just because of all the reasons you stated getting Matt Ryan. Um, I think wide receiver one to 12 is a little rich or a little too lofty. I think he ends up more in that uh, wide receiver 15 ish range, but he's definitely going to have some spike weeks where he helps when you match up. Um, kind of an under, not underreported, I guess, is the thing that I'm trying to say. Um, the Colts also went out and got Jelani Woods, who is a prolific pass catcher um, at, in college, and they kind of moved up to get him. I think that he could eat into the targets more than people think, but Pittman's still going to be the number one guy. He's still got an upgraded quarterback. So, yeah, I don't see any reason why he doesn't finish solidly as a wide receiver, too. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree with you. I think that his like floor, like you said, is sort of a solid, solid wide receiver too. I think you're, I hope you're right. I love Jelani Woods. Absolutely love him. Um, he did only have the one really amazing year of college production and he is a rookie tight end, which takes a little bit of time to acclimate. But again, there's going to be plenty of targets to go around because they've literally only got really Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Jelani Woods, Naeem Hines, Moali Cox. I mean, that Alec Pierce, that's about it as far as their receiving core, you know? So I think if he's getting 140, 150 targets, he's going to have to be like a high end wide receiver too. And I think if he gets some touchdowns, if he gets that, you know, if that goes in his favor, he could be. And I think that his ceiling is sort of like wide receiver 11, 12. I think that would be absolutely hitting his ceiling, but I do think he has a big breakout year. I think he's going to be a guy you're going to want to lock into your lineups every single week and you'll feel really good about it if he's wide, your wide receiver two on your team. And if you've been lucky enough to get him as like your wide receiver three, then happy days. You're just going to ride that all the way to the bank. So there we go. Two in the bag. Do you have another wide receiver for us, Britt? Yeah. So I want to talk about Christian Kirk. So this isn't really a super spicy take because he did finish as wide receiver 23 last year. Um, he had 12.6 points per game. So he was technically a wide receiver too last year, but this year I think he has a legitimate chance at being a bona fide wide receiver one. Um, Arizona ran the most 10 personnel in the league. We kind of touched on that earlier um, at 13% last season. The league ag average was 2%. So Arizona ran a ton more 10 personnel than anybody else in the league. There was always so much competition out in the field. He was com um, competing with DeAndre Hopkins. 
you know, they even used Edmonds in there until he got hurt. The Jaguars quarterback coach, Mike McCoy, was formerly the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals. So Christian Kirk already has some familiarity built in there, and he should be able to just blend right into the scheme. There shouldn't be this big learning curve like a like happens with a bunch of players who go into a new system. Um, kind of, I mentioned it before, he's not really competing with targets anymore. He's pretty much the bona fide number one receiver in the system. And last year, Trevor Lawrence was 32nd in yards per attempt at just six yards. So if that trend continues this year, Kirk should be the primary beneficiary as the number one slot guy. He was so close to a breakout last season. I don't really see it not happening this year. And then with Doug Peterson and that revamped Jaguars offense, I think he's finally going to get over the hump and be talked about as a legit wide receiver one. Nice. That is no, I think that is pretty spicy because I think, you know, he's been around the league so long. It took him what three or four years just to finally almost crack that wide receiver two. And it was just really bottom line wide receiver two numbers that I think there are a lot of doubters. And I think everyone obviously said, you know, oh, he got overpaid. And I agree with that. I think he did get overpaid going to Jacksonville. But, you know, I think that's good, you know, good to have that sort of side of the story that you're sort of saying, well, actually, I think he's set up in a really solid way to succeed. What do you think? So if he's the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, what do you think that translates to for fantasy? Would you be expecting sort of a top 18 uh, maybe finish? Would you say probably still in that wide receiver 18 to 24 range, but somebody who could slot in as like a wide receiver three or flex play every week, or what are your kind of expectations for him for floor and ceiling? I think he can be like for ceiling. I think he can be a, a bona fide wide receiver one and finish in that top 12 uh, lower range, obviously, but I think he has that in him um, on a consistency basis. I think wide receiver 15 is probably more realistic and accurate. Um, but the Jaguars tend to run a lot of plays and they do play from behind a lot. So there's going to be a lot more volume and, you know, in a PPR setting, especially those little short targets are going to add up very quickly. So might be considered garbage points, but you know what? Garbage points help you win your league. <laughs> yeah, I'll take them all. I mean, that is, but that is, I mean, to be fair, that is spicy. I've not heard anybody come out and say that, you know, Christian Kirk could potentially finish as a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy. So 100%, if that happens, I will be adding you on Twitter and be like, okay, I need the lottery numbers because you're the only person that I know who's been bold enough to come out and say that, that I've personally seen. So I definitely think that is spicy. Um, I like that you've got some reasons and rationale behind it. And ultimately he got paid as a one. So you'd like to see him step up and do that. That would be cool to see. I'm going to go in here then with my second wide receiver and see where you see how you feel about this one. I know you weren't too excited about the Michael Pittman Jr. I'll forgive you. It's cool. I'll ride that that train by myself, I guess, as you know, Michael Pittman Jr. wide receiver one train. But here we go. What about Darnell Mooney? Now, he finished 2021 as wide receiver 27 overall and about sort of wide receiver 34-ish in 12.2 points per game. So, okay numbers. Like, he was the kind of guy that, again, similar to Pittman, he had some really boom weeks that were great if you had him in your lineup. There was other weeks where it was a bit disappointing. Overall, though, I think, you know, you were fairly happy if you had him as, like, a flex play, like a wide receiver four or something like that. You definitely were happy enough throwing him in the lineup. He's gotten some buzz over the offseason, but I don't know if people are really sure what to do with him. Uh, wide receiver 33 on PFF with a 74.7 grade up from 68.7 as a rookie, which was 70th. So a decent decent jump again same as Pittman um, now here's where I sort of build my case for him um, his QBs in 2021 were Andy Dalton <laughs> which was QB 27 on PFF 
uh, Justin Fields, which who I love, but you know, was kind of thrown into a pretty terrible situation. He was QB 29, according to PFF. Um, and one of the worst head coaches that we've seen in the last five to 10 years, who has thankfully been relieved of his job. So kind of, ha- he had like the unfortunate trifecta there of a kind of not great, um, you know, quarterback that then got injured, got pulled, and then a rookie quarterback who probably wasn't really equipped and ready for what he was being asked to do, and a terrible head coach. So kind of unfortunate on all 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 avenues. But saying that, and I mean, we didn't even touch on the fact that his running partner, you know, the guy who was supposed to be the wide receiver one, Allen Robinson, kind of just took the year off, like basically just mailed it in. So he did still manage to finish with 81 receptions on 140 targets for 1,055 yards and four touchdowns. Now, some interesting things to note, okay, when we're looking at like sort of underlying stats and again, trying to pick through the weeds and see was, you know, his finish as wide receiver 27, is that as good as it could have been? Or was there some meat on the bones that we could hope to see some improvement the next year? Now, if we dig into some things, some stats here, he was actually ranked 11th in the league in target share in targets and route participation. Those are top 12, you know, across all of those, which are really important. I mean, for me personally, target share targets, those are some of the main things for wide receivers that I'm hunting and that I'm seeking after. Um, And he's top 12. So again, he's 11th in target share targets and route participation. And he was actually 10th in snap share. So he was on the field all the time. He was running the routes. He was getting the targets. He was getting the target share. He was 13th in air yards, 14th in air yard share and 15th in deep targets. So that's a lot of really positive signs for somebody that you're wanting to see take another step with a more solid coaching staff and hopefully a more calm and and ready second-year quarterback. His target quality rating was 52nd in the league. Yikes. <laughs> that is that is nay good, as we would say over here. Um, I mean, that is like all other wide receiver ones have it better than him and like half of the other wide receiver twos um, if, you're, if you're ranking them all. So his target quality rating, again, that ties back to Andy. Dalton that ties back to Justin Fields, the coaching that was going on. He was actually ninth for unrealized air yards. Again, target quality being so terrible. Target accuracy was 84th, major yikes. Only 75% of his targets were even catchable, which was 51st in the league. I think you get my point. (laughs) The point was it was atrocious quarterback play. It was atrocious play calling. He had little to no help. He was out there on on his own and he still managed to make things happen. Seventh in target separation, eighth in average cushion. He's And what that says, he's a good route runner. He's speedy. He knows what he's doing. He's a hard worker. And, And again, so only 275 targets went to wide receivers in 2021 for the Bears, which was eighth worst in the entire league. I think what I'm trying to say is that first and foremost, they didn't, you know, which I actually would have liked to see them bring in another competent, really good receiver to run with Mooney to take some of that pressure off. Unfortunately, they did not go down that route. Um, They have left Mooney as the de facto wide receiver one. So I think there will be no limit of targets going his way. He could easily see another 140, 150 targets. Um, So really the crazy targets that he had last year is just going to be the same, if not more this year. And ultimately, if there's only even a slight uptick in the competency at the quarterback position, the competency in the play calling, the competency in the running game, the competency in the O-line, any upgrades whatsoever is going to be an improvement on his 
overall finish, his points per game finish, and in general, just how he is productive for your fantasy team. So I personally think he was wide receiver 27, wide receiver 34 in points per game. So he was a, he was a high-end wide receiver 3, mid-wide receiver 3 last year. I believe he will be, I would say, top 20 wide receiver this year. Um, I believe that he will he will be a top 20-ish wide receiver. I think he's going to have a breakout. I think it's going to be some good things when Justin Fields gets that deep ball going. But what do you think? Are you sold? Have I managed to convince or are you going to be a hater? No, I'm absolutely in agreement with you here. I love Darnell Mooney's situation going into this year. And you mentioned all of the bad things, you know, between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. You see these quarterback improvements in their second seasons. And then if you kind of look back at what happened last year, Matt Nagy did absolutely nothing to develop Fields, like nothing at all. Fields was so unhappy in his situation. I think he even openly said that he wasn't getting the support that he needs from the team. All of that is changing this year. And with Mooney as the de facto wide receiver one, you know, you can say that Cole Komet's still going to get targets, but, you know, is he going to get the touchdowns? Yes. <laughs> little, little, uh, illusion foreshadowing going on here, but, uh, we can say that, <laughs> you know, even the, if Komet gets those targets, there's still a very legitimate chance for Mooney to be that, uh, wide receiver one. And if you look at his overall ADP from five sites, his ADP is 74. I mean, you're getting a potential wide receiver two at 74 with upside, I don't see any reason on passing on him at that ADP, because even if he doesn't, you're not losing anything. And the upside is just too good to pass up. So, yeah, I expect him to take a big step forward. And uh, I'm pretty excited about the Bears. Never thought I would say that this year, but... (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I'm a Vikings fan, so it feels dirty to be excited about the Bears. Um, but I can be excited for them for fantasy and just hope that they suck in the NFL. Uh, there we go. That's how I get around it. That's how I solve my conscience. <laughs> there you have it. We have given you two wide receivers each that we think are breakout candidates uh, for 2022. Hopefully you agree. If not, let us know. Well, there you have it, folks. The first four breakout candidates. Let us know who you like better, Brit's breakouts, which sounds really cool, or my breakouts which are the right answer no i'm just kidding love brit and love having her on the show hopefully you've enjoyed this hopefully it's given you some food for thought and maybe you've already got these guys on your roster and now you're really excited or maybe you've got some sneaky trade targets to go out there and acquire join us later in this week where we're going to hit some running back and tight end breakouts um even maybe sprinkle some quarterbacks in there you never know but let us know what you think so far and if you have 30 to 45 seconds in your super busy lives don't forget to drop a rating and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform it really helps the show and i really appreciate it see you again soon i draft zero rb in dynasty pass up a young receiver nah i couldn't be me my fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those Arby's You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate <laughs>